Hello and welcome to Front End Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portson with you on a overcast Friday. I think it's raining a little bit out there. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. We have a special guest for you. Tom Reed joins the program. Tom, say hello to the fine folk. How are you? Uh, they can't answer you, but uh, <laughs> we're all good. We're all good. Um, it's been Tom. It's been a while since you've been on the pod. A couple weeks, few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't. I don't really keep track of it, but uh, I'm always always happy to join. You don't keep little. track. That's that's that makes me feel valued and loved as a as a team member, Tom. I, I, you know, I no, I don't mean I don't I don't keep track of my appearances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I'm always always a big, big fan of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this is hard to believe, but on Monday it will be two months since the NHL last played a game. Since the 1920 season was put on pause, technically it's still ongoing. Uh, even though it might feel like the the off season to many, uh, but there are increasing signs uh, that the lights are maybe starting to flicker back on. The league continues to work behind the scenes to find a, a system that will work, ideas that could be plausible, ways to keep their players safe, but also uh, to have games. And some of the th- some of the some of the layouts have, have sort of started to I don't know bubble to the surface here as possibilities Columbus remains a possibility as a quote-unquote hub city so there would be anywhere from five to seven teams probably just six uh, coming to Columbus and setting up camp to play an extended number of games there would be no fans in the in the uh, crowd that we that much we know. The Blue Jackets announced, um, I think it was on Wednesday, to season ticket holders, a policy for how they could be reimbursed uh, or roll over their money for next year. So the the idea of fans watching games in person it's been it's been uh, I would say gone for a long time. Now it's officially gone. Also, news today: the NHL has postponed. Uh, international games for next season already. The Blue Jackets work to play Finland. I believe those games would have taken place about a month into the season, late October. Uh, and those games have been bagged now, postponed technically. I think the league's going to try to make them up, but that's a kick in the pants uh, for the Blue Jackets, certainly, uh, who have a Finnish general manager, a Finnish goaltender. They've got their fins on this team, and they wanted to go back to Helsinki and and have a wonderful homecoming. That is on uh, delay. Tom, I know one thing you're interested in, and we'll get to this before we sort of set up the NHL's return, is there are parts of the soccer world now that have started to come back to life. Tell us about that. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, uh, starting next Saturday, uh, the Germans' first top two tiers, uh, the Bundesliga, starts. And I think more than anything, it, it as, as the NBA and the NHL uh, particularly try to get started here uh, they will at least have a chance to watch uh, this soccer league to see if, if it can get started and if it can get through the, f- the first couple of weeks without having uh, any more test positives or where they just let's be honest just have to shut down the league I think it's interesting they've already they've been in training camp for three or four weeks so uh, they're ready to go and they have had positive tests uh, but they've continued on. Uh, they've had 
10 positive tests out of, I think, more, almost 1,800 people tested for it. Uh, the interesting thing to note, of course, though, Germany handled the, the nation as a whole, handled things much differently than we did in the United States. But at least it is, I think, in some ways, kind of an apples to apples comparison as, as opposed to what we're seeing in baseball. Is that Taiwan, Aaron, where the baseball's going on? Korea. Uh, Korea. Korea has started. Korea, I think, I'm sorry. Well, Taiwan is underway as well. Yeah. And, and my point there is in baseball, you, as you guys know, it's really the only areas of the field where there are social distancing concerns on the field itself is in the batter's box and any time a runner's held on. Where with soccer, we'll get a, the, the more the truer things where guys are guarding each other, and then you have guys in the box on free kicks and corner kicks where there's a bunch of holding and grabbing going on. And it'll be interesting to see again if after they go through a few games, uh, whether we start getting a bunch of positive tests. Uh, and, and in the Buddhist League, like what the NHL and NBA are trying to do, they're just trying to get their season finished. There's yeah. no playoffs, but they're just trying to get the last nine or ten games done. But Tom, when I pitched, I had a lot of social contact or social <laughs> distancing issues because the manager was always coming out to talk to me. The catcher was always coming to the mound to see what the hell's going on. Um, I hope it's different for others. Allison, we're not doctors. We should be careful not to, to uh, overstep our, our bounds here. But Korea's playing. Taiwan's playing. It sure feels like this league is going to start grinding up somehow. They really, really want to, we know. How how uncertain is this? How worrisome is it, as Tom said? What if there's a positive test? Does that just throw the brakes on everything? I think this league has to know that a positive test can't just bag the whole thing, or that's really thin ice they're on coming back. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we talked about this before, too, I think, and, and the NBA has mentioned this, which I appreciate, which is, first of all, it, I mean, how many tests are we using here, right? right. In, in, a, in a nation where, um, by all the reports I've heard from state-led initiatives, including Ohio, uh, the testing resources still are not where they need to be. And there's a question, and I, again, I appreciate that some athletes have raised this themselves, of if there's x number of tests what perhaps disproportionate amount is going to test athletes every day or perhaps even more frequently to ensure that that this can go if uh, compared to if you have very ill people who need the test um so that concerns me and you know as as we've talked look i mean you can try anything but from a from a bigger picture perspective, if one person tests, again, there are the athletes and there's social distancing on the field, but there's equipment managers, there's trainers, there's people who have to keep the building functioning regardless of, of how many people are in there. So there's a lot of um, exposure. And then, you know, I think it's, it's a very interesting question. We talk all the time in a quote unquote normal season of losing a player to a key injury or something of that nature um, and, and the impact of that. What if a, 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 I'm picking on this as just a random example. What if a Steven Stamkos, heaven forbid, would, would test positive and, and therefore have to be removed from the lineup? You know, right. I mean, what are the ramifications to a team in, 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 in what they actually are trying to do on the ice after we get past all the, the bigger health concerns? Yeah, and as, as has been mentioned, the coaches stand behind these sweaty players. The coaches are leaning in to talk to these sweaty players 
during line changes and such, uh, you know, during stoppages, they're face to face. Are coaches going to wear masks? Are players going to wear masks? Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Um, wow, it's going to be really interesting to see. Now, there have been uh, throughout this many, many, many suggestions of how this might look. It does feel as though the league is starting to settle in on hub cities. So uh, four, uh, up to four locations where they can house several teams. Um, the cost of that would be deferred in part by those six teams and perhaps also by the league in terms of the testing that Allison mentioned, in terms of cleaning uh, the rooms. The rooms would have to be cleaned thoroughly every day. This is going to get expensive. I think the one thing that's emerged here in the last probably week or so is that the bottom seven teams in this league, for sure, at, 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 at minimum, the seven teams at the bottom are done playing for the year. And that is the three California teams in the West, Anaheim, L.A., and San Jose, and the bottom four in the East, Detroit, Ottawa, New, York, uh, New Jersey, sorry, and the Buffalo Sabres. So the question is, do they go to 24 teams, which would be the, the largest field, and have six in each city? Do they go to 20 and have five in each city? Or do they go to 16 bare bones and have four in each city? The Blue Jackets better hope it's not 16, because if it's 16, they probably won't be one of the 16. They might be one of the last teams on the outside looking in, even though they were eighth in the, in the, the conference. Uh, thoughts on on just that aspect of it lopping off at least the bottom seven. Tom, it, it would make no sense for Detroit, Ottawa, New Jersey, any of the California teams to go through a training camp and to play any games again at all. Fair to say? Do we all agree on that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And, Allison, your, your thoughts on how – I mean, it's just so awkward. Wherever you draw the line, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. I think of Chicago, which was a seller at the trade deadline, and now they're going to be in a tournament to maybe continue playing. They would not have been a seller if they had any idea that this is how it's going to go. Montreal is the same thing. They traded Cousins, they traded Kovalchuk, and here they are. Does Florida trade uh, Vinny? Who knows what the hell Florida does? But do they trade Trocheck if they know? that the games are going to keep going. Allison, how safety is the number one focus here? How judicious must this be, or do we just accept that someone's going to get hosed in all of this? <laughs> well, I think someone's going to get hosed in all of this. I mean, we've said that since this whole thing went down, that whatever happens this season is going to have multiple asterisks, um, and multiple, well, that didn't count because of X, Y, and Z, depending on who you talk to. Um, but you know, it, it's, it, we've, we've talked about this on, on a couple issues related to all this. And even this whole idea of starting back up, there's the issue of fairness and the game itself. And then there's also the reality that this is a business and there is a question of not just fairness, but which markets are going to help bump that revenue number up, which markets have TV, TV deals that need to be honored to prevent massive financial implications next season. So, you know, and that's where like a Chicago comes in. And and I would even say to Florida, I mean, we were all shocked when Florida made those deadline moves because they were still in the hunt 
theoretically right. at the time. So, I mean, at this point, you just have to accept that some teams are going to get in um, that maybe shouldn't have. And, and you have to argue that ultimately, let's say in Chicago even advances through, um, everyone says the playoffs are the time to earn it, right? So if yep. if Chicago ends up winning the cup, I mean, by God, they won the cup. They just, they would deserve to win the cup, particularly after losing assets at the deadline. So um, there's going to be asterisks all over the place. If Chicago is going to help the revenue numbers, and that's part of this priority, let them see how they can fare. That's that's the challenge to that organization now. Now, the benefit of knowing that the bottom seven are done is that, Tom, you can hold the draft early. It could be less than a month away now if they do it in early June. Although, from what I've heard, they'll need to have a decision today or very, very early next week if they're going to have it that June 5th, 6th weekend. Um, this allows you to say only those bottom seven teams can win the lottery. That way, you to Alice's point, you don't have Chicago winning the lottery. And then... <laughs> those veteran players after a two month break catching fire for three weeks or however long the rest of the season starts uh, restart takes a month, six weeks, whatever, and wins the cup. You can't have the Stanley cup winner picking first overall in the lottery, but how important Tom do you think it is? And you, you, you covered in part the NFL draft. How important is it for this league to have a draft uh, that they can televise something to put out there for people that is live sports coverage. Because I think that's a big benefit of this is here's our 17 lottery. We know we can go forth with this without it blowing up in our face. Yeah, and, and most likely it would be kind of a, a, a you know, a, a ramp up to um, playoffs, as odd as that is to say. But yeah, I mean, the NHL, the, NBA, the NFL, huge numbers. Uh, for for its lottery or its its uh, you know its programming on television, so yeah, I, I guess you, you could you can argue it that way. It just still feels weird. That would we feel feel weird having that before the actual uh, playoffs. Yeah, right. But then again, we we don't even know as that, to Allison's point earlier, we don't even know if they may get this thing started in training camps and and have a bunch of positive tests and decide we're not risking it. So. There's just no scenario that really says, oh, this is a really good idea. This is bulletproof. If you're bored in the house, bored in the house, bored, why not spend some time on yourself? Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving thanks to their lawnmower 3.0. Well, you're probably looking for new things to do at home. Why not make manscaping part of your routine? Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Shaving is about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code the athletic and for a limited time subscribers get not one but two free gifts the shed travel bag a 39 dollars value and the patented high performance anti-chafing manscaped boxer briefs 
So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. Uh, Allison, you were, we were speaking earlier today. Chris Johnson, the great writer at Sportsnet, uh, formerly of the Canadian Press, uh, he had a piece yesterday speaking to people in and around the league. Uh, paraphrase or summarize, if you can, what, what uh, Mr. Johnson reported. Yeah, so, you know, at this point, I mean, and we've been doing this since the pause, right, of just throwing things up and see what might sure. stick. And um, Chris, a good friend of the pod, um, he was proposing um, a theory where there would be a 24-team playoff. And, and he notes here, you know, that is about maximizing revenue, um, like we right. talked about. So I, I will tip my hat to him on my earlier comments as well. And then what happens is that every team with um, a 500-point percentage or better gets in. The top eight teams get a buy. So then you have 16 teams participating in a best of three. And he's got the top eight as Boston, Tampa, Washington, and Philadelphia in the East. And then in the West, it's St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Edmonton. He's going by points percentage, um, which yeah. has which we've talked about a, a lot already. Um, and then he does say, he doesn't go into specifics here, but he says that seeding wouldn't be straight seeding um, because of the uneven number of games. So again, he points to that point percentage and he has Columbus. So there would be a, a best of three series. He's, he points back to the 78 Stanley Cup playoffs um, in terms of the format we'd see to set the matchups for what would then become officially round one of the playoffs. And in that scenario, he has Columbus slotted in at ninth in the East, um, which we've known about if you go points percentage, which pits them against the Islanders uh, for the play-in series. So that's kind of the lot of what he is throwing out there and saying that this is something that could potentially serve a lot of masters, if you will. What's interesting to me is Dallas has played two fewer games than Edmonton, and they have one fewer point, which I'm no mathematician, but that tells me their points per game would be ahead of Edmonton's. Right. For the fourth seed. Anyways. Well, it's also crazy. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, the, and I poked around a little bit yesterday after a, a, a Larry Brooks report, Larry Brooks of the New York Post, um, and found out a few things from a, a few different places that there's also been a suggestion if it goes to 24 teams again the bottom seven are gone and that leaves six in each city um that that they could do within that city the six teams could play the other five teams twice each and do a round robin tournament the best of that group moves on uh, the top four from that group moves on. You have to have, it's got to be uh, eight, four, or 16. It can't be 12 or you're left with three teams in the semifinal rounds. Awkward. Right. right. Um, and and so the play, because the problem, the problem with play in rounds that some teams have is that you go through a three-week at least training camp and then you, theoretically, well, likely a team or several teams is going to be out in two games mm -hmm. that a three game series is just, especially in this sport is just too fluky to justify a long training camp. And yet if you go seven game playing round, then the other teams are sitting for two more weeks and nobody wants to sit for two more weeks. So the idea is that you play 10 games, you stay active. And then after, so everyone's guaranteed 10 games. Now, 
course, the calendar becomes a, a struggle here. Those two teams drop off, and then you start to play in division. Now, whether they play seven-game series in the first two rounds or they just go to three games or five games in the first two rounds, to me, that's still more palatable than just training for three weeks, playing two games, and going home. Um, Tom, do you have thoughts on any of this, uh, especially <laughs> the aspect of playing around and, and teams waiting and teams being bounced in just two games? Yeah, I like the round-robin idea better. I, I agree with you. It, too, it, it, it seems silly to, to go all that time and play maybe only two games. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think if, if there's not going to be any, as Allison said with the Astros, there's not going to be any true right way to do this. But that seems at least you're getting some games. And it'll, it'll be not only just fluky, but it's like, you know, those first games I can see games like 7-6, you know, as, as teams try to get back to normal. And then by the end, it, it resembles more of the hockey that we're used to watching. Uh, so I think I like the round robin idea. Uh, some big questions for you uh, in these scenarios. And Allison, we've both touched on the formats that are kind of bopping around out there. Do you think that the results in this series and whatever happens <coughs> on the other side of this, do you, is there a potential? I think there is for the, for whatever happens after this break to be vastly different than what happened in the first five months of the season. In other words, you could almost, who knows what the hell the standings, if you just look before the break and after the break, I think there could be entirely different results for some teams. Allison, do you agree? Oh, for I mean, Columbus is a perfect example as to why. I mean, they get how many potentially healthy bodies back in the lineup that they, some they didn't have most of the season. Um, absolutely. And again, that, I mean, I feel like I'm going to have to print this on a t-shirt. You know, it's, it's. That's why there's going to be asterisks all over the place. They, whoever doesn't win or go far is going to have something to bitch about. And rightly so, yeah. right? <laughs> now, I'll pose this to both of you. If we agree that what happens after the break is almost unrelated to what happened before it, I think it's that big of a gap. It's been two months. Lots of these teams have changed. Lots of these teams are going to get healthy, as Allison noted. If, if we agree on that, does that make it easier to scrap what's happened the first 70 games of the season and say that only what happens after this break, in other words, a round-robin tournament, whatever, playing games, yada, yada, only what happens there should determine seeding and playoff teams? In other words, Boston is clearly in the playoffs, leading the NHL with 100 points. But if they come out of this on the other side of the gate and say they win, they go four and six in the ten games after the break, however many games there are. Is that it for them? Are they done, or is there something? Is there some allowance for teams that led the division at the break? Allison, go ahead first on that. Uh, I mean, it's hard because for me, and I'll be quick on this and let Tom go deeper. But what what while there's benefit to a team like Columbus, what concerns me that hasn't been equal. Um, outside of everything we've talked about, is the ability for these players to maintain their training. Um, I mean, we see things out of Sweden, right, where players are skating. Um, yeah, right. And some players in, in Europe have access to full gyms. Some guys are in apartments. You know, some guys who unfortunately are rehabbing from injury are still able to skate and go into their trainer. Part of that is what 
makes me not love it because it's an uneven playing field in a way that it's not because of skill or ability. Like this is literally something that couldn't be equalized. Yeah. It, just period. Yeah, that's interesting. Tom, go deep on that. Well, you know what? I have a, actually to start with a question. So you're saying that this end of this round robin format, this is all the teams. This would be all 24 teams. Uh, 24 teams in four pods. They would right. have so six teams in each group. They could play potentially the other five teams twice each, so ten games. And should that be the only, only I, determination of who makes the playoffs and what seed they are? No, I don't like under that format. I didn't like it. I didn't quite understand how we were getting down to the final what we normally thought of. I don't think the Boston's and the teams that have had really good seasons they should wait for. I and I know it's again. There's no right way. I don't think a Boston or a Tampa Bay or Washington should have to get could get bounced straight away. I, I don't like that at all. I think the lower seeds. Tampa Bay last year around. says high. Huh? Tampa Bay last year says high. No, no, no. It that, was a joke. Just go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's completely <laughs> inaccurate. Um, <laughs> that's total. I mean, I would be furious <laughs> if I was Boston and had to go through a round robin just to get into the, the tournament. I think that's completely wrong. It should be the. And I, again, I don't know where you draw the line, but it's certainly well below Boston and well below some of these other teams. Uh, but now you got me worked up. What's the rest of your question? Well, so I'm strongly against that doing it that way. So do you say that the top two teams says when you stop, get a buy or not a buy, but they get, they, they're in no matter what they do. I would almost go. And I, and again, I, I'm not looking at the standings, but uh, the top four, whatever, I think Whoa. the only, the only down part of that is, Sorry. The only down part of that is you then you get back to the whole idea that you're sitting around waiting, waiting, right? Yeah, teams are playing yeah, real right. games and you're so there again, this goes back to Allison's point about the Astros. There's no perfect way to do it, but I do not like having the rewarding seventy games and just saying those didn't mean anything. We were just starting starting fresh here. Uh you, you basically played seventy games to eliminate seventy that at all but again there may not be a choice they may just go with this round robin tournament um but uh, yeah i would not like that i think back to the 1981 baseball season when the reds had the best record in the national league at least and they did not make the playoffs because they split the season in half remember it was a mid-season strike and they took the winners of the first half and the winners of the second half and they went in Every league's kind of been through this kind of muck, and it, uh, there are people in Cincinnati still bitter about that. Well, is this '91 uh, or '95? Uh, this was '81. Or oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Was that the year the Expos had the best record in in baseball? Uh, the, that was '94, I believe. '94, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, the, the, there's your there's a yeah there's a classic case of. But if I'm remembering correctly, I think the Expos did benefit from the '81 system by making the playoffs for the first time and maybe the only time. Uh, uh, yeah, whatever. But uh, <laughs> all I know is that base that that strike basically killed baseball in Montreal. Yes, it did. Yeah, the '94. Um, yeah. So, Allison, you've you've mentioned asterisks. <laughs> There's going to be plenty of them. How tainted is a Stanley Cup champion going to be if there is one in 2020? 
how how long is it going to take the NHL to get over that? I don't think anybody thinks that. The, I think the Dodgers won in '81. I don't think anybody has an issue with that anymore, except old timers, <clears throat> myself. It's just sort of gone by the wayside. Um, how how long will it take the league to treat the Stanley Cup champion as a as an actual Stanley Cup champion? Well, I think. I mean, I don't think there's going to be you know an uproar and outrage. I just think it's going to be. Well, that was that year. Oh, it was that year. Um, but I, I honestly do believe at least one more year, because as we've talked about before, it, the later this decision goes and any resulting play goes, I continue to maintain that that impacts next year, right? So right. if you're a team that goes deep into this playoff scenario or whatever it is, or has a significant player suffer a significant injury later oh. than they would impacting their recovery time for next year or impacting a player's trade value, et cetera, so forth, there's going to be ripples and very valid what ifs for next season as well until this league can get back on a normal routine whether that's what it used to be or a new normal um i think it's going to be questionable in people's minds yeah tom asterisk stanley cup champion 2020 uh yeah there will certainly be and and i and i agree i i I think it'll take about a year or two to kind of like Okay, yeah, you'll look back and say, oh, yeah, they, they won the Cup. Um, it, I think it's one of those things that if, if one of the favorites wins, people will somehow will somehow say, yeah, yeah, they deserved it. They were the best team. For sure. But it, it, it gets to where, uh, you know, I don't want to say the Islanders, but somebody, somebody down below wins it. If they somehow get hot and win it, that's where you're going to have the scenario, like, that was ridiculous, right? If it's chalk, which it sometimes isn't in the NHL, we, we as we just alluded to, Tampa Bay last year uh, gets knocked out. But if it, if if it's one of the teams that we kind of think could win the cup, uh, wins it, I don't think there's a problem. But the NHL is one of those leagues, unlike the NBA. The NBA never has Cinderella stories in the playoffs. Never. It's right. the best teams always get to the finals. Where the NHL. Because we've, I've talked about this many times, there's so much luck involved in the playoffs. Uh, sometimes teams do. They get hot. They get up the bounces. The pucks go off shin guards enough times. Uh, poor, poor Zach Wierenski sees it goes three or four times off, and they lose game three. Those things happen in hockey much more than they happen in basketball. Wouldn't it be wild if Canada won the Stanley Cup for the first time since 1993? <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. And go. it had a huge asterisk on it. Wow. Vancouver oh. out of nowhere. Calgary wins, something like that. It'd be unbelievable. Yep. Yes, Allison? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the chirps would be for days. Uh, all right. Anything else we got to get to here, folks? Um, I would. Tom, can you just point people? I was so thrilled to see your, your podcast come out this week. Just point people to that podcast and the story again if people are looking for, for some really good content. Oh, okay. This is this is not uh, this is not an, an NHL related. No, threw me off there. Good yeah, story we, though. We have a podcast. Uh, the, the the athletic has a podcast called The Lead. I would hope people listen to it when it's when it's on. Uh, and it's it's all across our spectrum. We on all of our sports, and I ended up sitting down and and, and doing a podcast uh, for the lead about my Miles Garrett story when he went to Africa uh, several months ago. Uh, I think that maybe the news hook is 
he's getting very close to re-signing with the Browns long-term. Uh, and just what his trip was like, uh, uh, kind of a humanitarian trip with the Waterboys uh, uh, organization. And, of course, we all know all the stuff that he went through in the NFL last season with the helmet swinging and the Mason Rudolph controversy. So we delved into that and uh, talked about it, and you can certainly find it on our website right now. Allison, you've got something to to be proud about too. Two, I'm going to screw this up. Too many men podcast. Oh, podcast. Yes. Thank you. I <laughs> want to say you're every Allison. You're everywhere. I want to say I want to say too much man because somebody jokes about that calling the penalty too many men, <laughs> too much man, uh, too many men podcast. Tell us about it. And tell us about the initiative last week that raised over five thousand dollars. Yeah, we are still um, so. Um, two other uh, women who uh, cover hockey, uh, Sarah Sivian, Shana Goldman, and myself, we have a podcast called Too Many Men. And uh, Sarah had this crazy idea to to say, you know what, let's just let's have some fun. Let's see if we can raise some money for a good cause. And let's have a, a virtual flip cup tournament, um, which is basically a drinking game. Well, it is. It's not basically it is a drinking game. And uh, we, uh, Sarah got together a, a bracket, speaking of brackets, of 32 um, personalities from across the, the NHL. We had Hal Gill, former Stanley Cup winner. We had TV personalities. We had reporters. We had all kinds of things. Um, NWHL players, NWHL reporters, Black Girls Hockey Club. And we were going to be thrilled if we raised like $500 in donations. We were splitting the funds between two um foundations focused on COVID-19 relief. And by the time it was all said and done, we were uh, shocked, floored, and humbled to donate a total of $5,500 to the two charities. So that was pretty cool. And we say thank you to everyone who supported by either watching or donating or participating. It was it was incredible. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks, uh, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. And everybody stay safe out there. Hopefully there will be hockey to talk about some sort of plans, official plans to unfurl soon enough. Uh, We will talk to you then.